I was thinking about that uh, family that Dan mentioned uh, as we prayed and so forth, and I, and I thought about that. I thought, how often do we have a situation like that? What do you say to them? What do you not say to them? And, and, and basically, that's what I want to talk about tonight. Many times when I have been here, I have uh, talked about uh, my, my devotional life. And, and to me, it, 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 what keeps me sane uh, every, every day, I, part of my devotions, I read through the, uh, a chapter in Proverbs uh, because they tell us it's a book of wisdom, practical wisdom for living. And uh, you know, for sure, I know I need wisdom. Uh, but it gives me wisdom for, for insight, for making decisions, for some, facing some of the things that I face through the day in my job, questions that people come to me and ask and so forth, and they're looking for a word of wisdom from me, and I'm me, all right? God, help me in these particular things. It's interesting, if, if you've gone through Proverbs a couple times, you'll notice that chapter 8 and actually part of chapter 9 talks about wisdom actually uh, as a person. It's personified. And, and I guess God is basically talking about himself. In, in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12, it says, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. So uh, after my devotional time and when I'm getting ready to leave the house to go to work every day, I pray with my wife. And, and always in my prayer, I include, God, give me wisdom and favor. Give me wisdom and discernment to, to make it through the day, through the things that I'm going to face in this particular day. Uh, and I always have in mind, too, the description found in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, when it talks about Jesus. That as a young man, as he was growing up, he grew in wisdom and in knowledge and in favor with God and man. And so I, I think if it's, pretty, if it's good enough for Jesus, it ought to be good enough for us as well. So I pray, God, give me wisdom. Give me favor with you and, and with the people that I work with and with the people that I'm going to come in contact with today. This past week, I was, I was wrestling with a decision and a, a situation that was there, and uh, probably I woke up about 3 a.m. on Thursday morning thinking about the issue and uh, couldn't get back to sleep and got up that day and, and talked to somebody, and it just a kind of an obstacle that I was facing. And then as I prayed, I, I just remembered God is faithful, and he's going to help me through that situation. God is a God that provides wisdom, especially when in critical times we need it. Uh, knowing this uh, can, can give us the edge in certain situations as a believer. And not knowing this, you know, not applying wisdom in this, and discernment in decisions, sometimes in a job situation can get it fired. It, it may cause us to, to uh, have a fall in our marriage, maybe even get divorced at some point. Not having wisdom how to deal with relationships or handle situation. As a parent, we might not know how to deal with our children, especially as they go through their teenage years. And maybe they're struggling with issues of their own. And if we don't have wisdom, how can we help them through that time? Uh, I remember the story of the, the years were 2000 and 2001. Uh, when Ford Motor Company had uh, dropped to the bottom of the car market because of problems and recalls. They were having recalls on their small SUV, the Escape, and they had a relationship with Firestone Tires at the time, which was having problems, and it all came back on Ford. 
And, and the real problem, however, was, was not necessarily the recalls or something like that. It appeared to be in leadership. It was a perception problem. Uh, evidently, the, uh, the Ford CEO at that time, Jockus Nassar, uh, was in danger of his losing his job because of the inability to discern what was going on, to analyze the current trends in the automotive industry. And Ford was failing behind, falling behind the market, not so much, again, because of the SUV or the tire problems, because they had not paid attention to business and to the market and to the trends that were going on. Uh, if you, you have your own business or you work in business, you know how critical that is. If you don't pay attention to the times, uh, you know, just think in the cell phone business, if you're not realizing the technology changes and the innovation that is happening, you could quickly go out of business. You need to be able to rec recognize the times and the challenges that you face. And, and those that seem to understand the times seem to progress. I, I feel at Southeastern University, we have a president that understands the times and, and realizes the importance of innovation and, and moving forward. It's interesting that as I, as I look at Jesus, he was one that recognized the times, recognized the context, recognized the situation. Now, here's, here's Jesus who chose to lay aside all his godly prerogatives and rights and properties and, and come to earth simply as a man like you and I and yet have God help him to give wisdom in the situations that he faced. I think sometimes we forget that. They th we think that he's always acting in his godly role and he's all-knowing and all-wise in that time, but he chose to lay that aside, we're told in Philippians chapter 2, and to take on the form of a servant and be a man, be a human being, have flesh and blood like us. And understand what it meant to realize to have and pray that God would give him wisdom and direction as he dealt with people and he dealt with situations. How to handle that time. What the people really needed. Some people might come to him for healing and yet there was something else going on in their life that he had to deal with that was more important. You know, different situations like that. It's interesting that King David faced such a time before actually he became king. It was actually in the transition time. King Saul and Jonathan uh, had died. Uh, battle with the Philistines. Saul fell on his own sword, killed himself. Jonathan was killed in the battle. Israel was at a critical time. Their first king was now dead. What do we do? Some of the tribes saw David as the man to take over. And unfortunately, Saul's probably biggest problem is he didn't recognize his need to be king because of his own personal jealousy over David. David was fully in support of him and would probably do anything for him. And yet Saul was jealous of the man and pursued most of his time chasing after David rather than protecting the land. Saul was one who didn't have wisdom for discernment for the situation that he faced and we have a passage that they're going to put on the screen from for First Chronicles that was interesting because David now at Hebron, not Jerusalem, is appointed king by the tribes because what are we going to do? Well, let's put there with David. In First Chronicles 12, 23 to 20, 38, it says this. 
These are the numbers of the men armed for battle who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him, as the Lord had said. And and I, I want you to go through, and as I read this, look at some of the things that stand out here regarding these men that David surround himself with. From Judah, from that tribe, carrying shield and, and spear, 6,800 6, armed for battle. From Simeon, warriors ready for battle, 7,100. From Levi, 4,600, including you know, such and such. But it goes down to Zadok, a brave young warrior with 22 officers from his family. From Benjamin, which is the tribe from Saul, 3,000, most of whom had remained loyal to Saul's house until this moment. From Ephraim, brave warriors famous in their own clans, 20,000. From the half-tribe of Manasseh, designated by name to come and make David king, 18,000. From Issachar, uh, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do, 200 chiefs. From Zebulon, experienced soldiers prepared for battle with every type of weapon to help David with undivided loyalty, 50,000. The Fedai, 1,000 officers together with 37,000 men carrying shields and, and spears. And from Dan, ready for battle, 28,000 men. And from Asher, experienced soldiers prepared for battle. And it goes down to even the half-tribe of Manasseh, armed with every tribe of weapon, 120,000. And then it says, all these were fighting men who volunteered to serve in the ranks. They came to Hebron fully determined to make David their king over Israel. All the rest of the Israelites were also one of mine to make David king. Now, did you notice anything unique in that passage? I did. Something that we find in verse 32. From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. David is surround himself with all these warriors, chieftains, various men from the different tribes. Makes sense that you have that power and strength. But the men of Issachar, he surrounded himself with as well. Men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. We need those type of people in our life that understand the times and know what Israel should do. Know what we should do in our times. Know what Ford Motor Company back in 2001 should do. It's interesting this word and understanding in Hebrew language is the word bena, which means to have insight or to act with prudence. Much of what we find in Proverbs, looking for us to have that insight and prudence. In fact, it comes from a root verb which means to separate something mentally and distinguish its parts. Kind of figure out how it works and put it back together. It's interesting, too, that in the New Testament, we find three different words that are used for wisdom and understanding and insight. One is the the four-word wisdom, Sophia. We get the word philosophy, lovers of wisdom. Sophia is the broad word for wisdom, but there's two other words that Paul often uses interchangeably. One is sunesis, is the other phrenesis, and they have the idea of understanding what to do in a situation. All right? Here's a plan to take. And then it's breaking that apart and understanding each piece to do. And Paul, in his letters, often prays that the church that he's praying to would have wisdom and insight or wisdom and understanding. Paul realized how important it was to have those things happening and circulating in our life. 
every age has its unique challenges, every time that we live in. You might even say, as a parent, every age of your child has its unique challenges. Amen? Yeah. Even as a parent at my age and having grandchildren now, and some of you might even have great-grandchildren here, I find that I never stop being a parent. You never fall out of that role. I was talking to one of my colleagues the other day who has four grown children, all 20 up to 40 years of age, and he said they're still children. They're still coming to me with different issues. It seems like 30 is, you know, the old 20 and, 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 and you know, all the way down. It's just they still come home. They still need money. When do they get out of this? And some of you are like that. You understand those situations where every age has its own unique problems, as well as the age that we live in has its problems. And David knew enough that he needed men like the men of Issachar that understood the times and knew what Israel should do. It was a tense time in Israel. They had just lost a king. They are floundering. Philistines had just won a battle. What do we do now? And David appoints not only these mighty soldiers at this critical time, but also men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. It's an important thing. And it's interesting that the New Testament is not unique in carrying this same idea forward. We're all familiar, I think, with James chapter 1, verse 2, because it's a frustrating verse. Count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. And we want to say to James, are you nuts? Count it joy when we go through trials of various kinds? And James goes on to tell us that there's, a, there's something in that because it's building perseverance and it's building character and it's making us mature as believers. Well, that's nice, but I really don't want to go through trials of various kinds to do that. But sometimes the only way that it's going. And then it comes to verse 5, which we sometimes separate from that context. It says, if any person lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who will give that wisdom to him generously, in abundance. Well, when does he give us that wisdom? Especially when we're going through trials of various kinds and we're saying to God, what the heck are you doing? What's going on here? Why am I going through this? What's the answer to this? Is there no end to this? God, what's going on in this situation? Times that we can lose hope, we can question our faith, wonder we start to question, is God really faithful as we sing about and as we talk about? We get to that place, when is this going to end? And Lord, where is the end? And, and God, are you even hearing me in this situation? What does James say? That's a time to call out for wisdom, and God is not going to hold it back. It's going to bring us to us in that situation. Just like last Thursday morning at 3 a.m. when I was worried and concerned about something, and I finally said, well, maybe, duh, it's a time to pray. And I already worked on this message. And yet God is putting me in that testing time where I was frustrated with something, looking for an answer. And after I prayed and present that particular situation to him, what did he do? He gave me wisdom on how to go about it. 
And as I went through sobbing that particular situation, it was just amazing how the thoughts came to me, what to do and how to, to go through it. And it's amazing, too, the peace that he gave me, knowing that he was going to help me through that situation, reminding me once again that he is a faithful God. And when I do cry out for wisdom, it's there. Well, James is not the only one that talks about this. One of my favorite books is the book that Paul writes to the church at Colossae, and he talks about the same thing in the first chapter. After he's given his greetings and talked about the church, he comes to verse 9, and he says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. It's often typical of what Paul does for all his churches. And we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying exactly what we're talking about tonight. We all need wisdom. And here's a guy that with the churches and the new believers and that he's working with and mentoring and he's teaching, he knows that they need wisdom and understanding in the knowledge of God's will. And he's praying that the Holy Spirit would give them, give them wisdom, understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. How do I live this Christian life? How do I go about doing the things that the Bible at times challenges me to do? Well, the Spirit is going to give me wisdom of how to do that. That's the good news. He's going to give me insight on how to walk as a Christ follower, even in difficult times, even when people are challenging me. God can help me through it. I don't know about you, but when I became a new believer, you know, people would say, hey, you're supposed to do this, and I read the scripture, and the host said, how do I do that? In fact, I, I often felt I heard more ought-to sermons than how-to sermons. I know what I ought to do. I ought to pray more. I ought to seek God's face. I ought to read my Bible. How do I do that? I don't know how to do that. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Help me in that. And what Paul's saying, that's what he's praying for, that we might have wisdom, understanding that the Spirit gives so that we may live a life worthy of the Lord, please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Why? So that you might have great endurance and patience. Anybody need endurance and patience? Maybe with people? Maybe with just driving your car and somebody's in front of you and they've had the blinker on for the past five miles and they're going 10 miles below the speed limit? and you can't even see a head above the steering wheel, and their license plate is from Canada? Uh-oh, okay, I, I went too far, I'm sorry. All right, I figured it's still earlier, they might not be down here yet. We need wisdom and endurance, all right, for those times and patience. And, and, and it says in the 12th verse, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Why does he close with that in this one particular paragraph? He's kind of reminding them, don't you realize who you are and what God you serve? 
You are part of his family. You've been redeemed. You are a child of God. And he is going to help you to have wisdom and insight so that you might have patience and endurance. You might live a fulfilled life. Why? Because he has bought and paid for you. He didn't buy and, and, and pay for you and just leave you there. Right? He's there to help us every step of the way. And Paul's writing to them to remind him that it is our God that's going to give us wisdom and insight and understanding to make it through this life and make it through successfully. All we have to do, James tells us, is ask for it. And he will give it to us. What are you struggling with tonight? What decisions are you facing? Is it financial? Is it a work issue? Is it a relationship issue? A family issue? A marriage issue? A parenting issue? What are you struggling with? Is it a school issue? Is it a job issue? And you're wondering how you're going to get through this. And God is saying, ask of me. Ask of me. Maybe in addition to that, you need to surround yourself with people like the men of Issachar. People who can understand the times and know what to do. It's part of a role of a church and pastors and leaders. But it's also part of the role of the body of Christ that we at times when, when people are going through something, we can pray for them that they might have wisdom and maybe even share with them some thoughts or some insights. Not that we're overindulging in giving them advice, but saying, hey, God's going to help you through this. And, and if you need some, some input, maybe I can help out. Just ask. I'm here. I'll be praying with you that you have the insight to carry through this particular thing. So what crisis are you facing? What are you dealing with? But the Old and New Testament tell us that wisdom is ours, that God himself is wisdom. And going back to those devotions in, in Proverbs every day when I read them, it tells me how silly I am when I don't ask him for wisdom, how foolish I am if I don't seek his advice and his input and his discernment. Wisdom is there. It's ours because we are the children of God. And he's going to help us through these times. Amen? So uh, I don't know where you are, but let's go to prayer. And if there is a situation that you're facing that you're just saying, man, I, I need some divine intervention. I need some wisdom from God of how to resolve this issue or how to work through this issue. As, a, as we pray, if you just put up your hand, right? I'm going to look at that and I'm going to just say, hey, God, you see that individual. So let's go in prayer. Father, we do. We come right now before you because you're there to help us, to provide the wisdom and the insight that we need to make it through the day-to-day -day challenges that we face, the obstacles that are there, the things that come upon us that sometimes frustrated and, and we don't know. And, and Father, as, as you helped me this week, and I know you're going to help me this coming week, and each day with wisdom, there might be others that are just in that same place that I was at 3 a.m. on Wednesday or Thursday morning. And so if that's there, Lord, just let them put up their hand. And Father, you see these hands going up. Lord, I, I pray that you would give an abundance your wisdom 
to my brothers and sisters that have lifted up their hand. Why? Because you're a good God and you're a loving God. And as Paul said in Colossians, you have redeemed us, you have bought us, we have an inheritance in you. And we can trust in you to live this life as you give to them. So impart it to them, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I know that we have our, our prayer team here, and if you just want some personal prayer, feel free, and the team will come down and pray with you, right? But God bless you. God is good. He, I've seen that in my life over and over again. I can't say that enough. All right? Randy? Can I sing this tonight? Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands. Can we stand and sing tonight? Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. We believe it. Nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world. Cause you hold my world in your Come on, sing it again. Nothing. We sing nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world. You hold my world in your head. Sing, I believe. I believe you're my healer. And I believe you are. You are all I need. So we declare it tonight. You're more than enough. portion your Altar workers are going to remain down here for another couple minutes. So if you need special prayer, come on and slip down. And we're going to go ahead and pray a prayer benediction. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you are the God of all wisdom. And God, today, I just pray, Lord, that you would meet every single need in this place. Guide every single person in a way that they can understand it, that they can comprehend it, in a way they can follow you, God. 
You're so good about that, God, making it personal, making it intimate. God, we pray your guidance, your wisdom, your help for every single person here, for every single situation in their lives. And God, this coming week, Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and sensitivity and openness and insight as we encounter friends and family and co-workers and fellow students and others that you put in our path this week. Help us to be sensitive and led by the Spirit to share the love of Jesus with them, to, to be able to just pray that the Holy Spirit will invade their life and transform their world for the cause of Christ. God, use us. We make ourselves available this week to be used by you. God, this isn't just about us taking in all this wisdom and absorbing all of this, but God, it's us being ready to be used by you to give it away and invest it in the lives of people. God, we pray your anointing touch. It's got to be the power of God that transforms lives. It's got to be the power of God that opens doors and makes a way for us to share about Jesus. So God, open those doors, make a way for us this week, and then help us to, to be bold and brave and step through those doors as you give us opportunity. God, we commit this coming week to you. Once again, God, we pray for the McLaughlin family that you would just wrap your arms of love around about them, God, as they walk through their grief. Show them grace and love and help in the name of Jesus. We dedicate this coming week to you for your glory and honor. Let souls be one to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a great Labor Day tomorrow. Jesus, you're